Well, glory to God. Well, as Brother Naz was talking about that heaviness that can come upon us and how it can just be lifted up as we are worshiping, we're going to be talking about some of those things that come against the and, and create that heaviness, that create those uh, 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 some of our problems here in this world. Because we have the presence of God with us, and boy, it'd be sure nice if we just go through all the day with the presence of God. But then other things seem to, to creep in. We're going to look at some of the things that come against us in this, in this particular area. Last number of weeks, we spent on love, that God has put His love on the inside of us. And there are many other factors, many other things in this world that want to try and pull something from us that's not the love of God to get us into other, other feelings. So we spent a number of weeks on that. But here we're moving on into another area. And that is something else that God has put into us. I'm going to read first from John chapter 14 and verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says that my peace I give to you. Not only has God poured out His love in us, He has given us of His peace. You don't have to raise your hand on this one, but how many can think of some times this week where the you did not feel peaceful? Other things began to come in and you felt not at peace. But the Word of God says that His peace He has given to us. His peace. He's given it to us. In John chapter 16, verse 33, He says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. These things I have spoken to you, that in me, in Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, this is where we live. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So the idea from this verse is we are in the world and tribulation will come upon us from the world. But when we are in Him, we have peace. We have God's peace. In Him, we have peace. It's not a situation, it's not something we have to strive for. We have to ask God for. It's ours. We have it. Now, this is not speaking about when it talks about tribulation here. Tribulation, we've got three things we're looking at. Tribulation, trouble, and anxiety. I'm just going to define them real quick for you. Tribulation is, is things from the outside that come against you. Tribulation. It could be from the world. It could be persecution for your faith because of the word that is in you. But tribulation is, are things that come from outside. And they come against the Word. They come against your faith. They come against the love of God. They come against the peace of God. They come against these things. Troubles are those things that come up on the inside of us. Past and present. Troubles are things that are past and that are present. They have already occurred or are occurring now. That's what a trouble will be. And then the last one is anxieties. And these are things that haven't happened yet. They're in the future. We can see them. We think we know what's coming. We're afraid maybe of what's coming. But this is where anxieties come. So you have tribulation, trouble, and anxiety. And all these things try to disrupt the peace of God that you are resting in. The peace of God that He has put on the inside of you. 
And you've got to combat these and keep them from taking your peace. Otherwise, you're going to be... I'm sure no one here has ever made this prayer. But other people that you know may have done this. Oh God, I am so restless today. I am so upset. Oh God, please give me your peace. See, that's, not a, that's an unscriptural prayer. Because God has given you peace. He's already given it to you. You see, you can pray things in the Word of God that it hasn't promised you, and that's an unscriptural prayer. And you can th- you can pray things in the Word that He said, I've already given you. And that's an unscriptural prayer. The scriptural prayers are pay- praying for the things that God said to ask for. But we tend to, f- to fall off in these areas of praying and asking God for things that He didn't say were ours or that we could have. Or praying and asking for things I've already got. Oh God, fill me up with your love. I just have no love for this person. Oh God, fill me with your peace. Oh God, take this worry and anxiety away from me. <laughs> we're praying for things that the Word of God hasn't told us. We're praying for things that the Word of God has already said are ours. But unfortunately, for a lot of Christians, a lot of our prayer time is taken up in that and we're not praying for the things that we ought to. If you were to, if you were to think back over the, the last week or two, how much time would you say that you have spent praying things like the prayers in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, or Colossians chapter 1? Where you're asking for things that the Word of God tells you to ask for. Wisdom. Understanding. How much time would you say that you're in there praying for that? Or how much time are you praying and talking to God about situations that you're in and how He needs to deliver you or help you or overcome or, or things along those lines? See, if we spent as much time praying unscriptural prayers as we did scriptural prayers, we'd be in a whole lot better shape. Now, the goal is get rid of the unscriptural prayers altogether. That's the best thing to do. But some habits, they take a little while. Now, we are not speaking about tribulation. This is not tribulation. When your car ran out of gas. Oh, the devil has been attacking me today. I mean, first my car ran out of gas. My alarm clock. I forgot to set it, so I got up late. And then the hot water heater wasn't working. And then uh, we just name all these different things. Well, you know what? Some of that could have been taken care of a whole lot sooner. You see, if you fill up your gas tank, it doesn't run out of gas. Does it? I, <laughs> I saw that it was on empty, but I didn't fill it up. They even got cars now. I mean, they beep at you. Flashed all kinds of lights when you're, when you're getting low. Well, I know I can ignore that for a little while. <laughs> how many of y'all know how long you can ignore that? Therefore, now I can get down to, I've gotten safely down to, <laughs> to this area. I've had that light on for so many miles and uh, I've been able to, to do okay with it. We kind of have that down. See, that's not an attack. That's not tribulation. That's not coming at you because of the word. There's nothing about that at all. It's just coming at you because, you know, we were stupid. There's a lot of things that come to us in tribulation that's just because we're stupid. I didn't, I didn't prep the thing. Well, how about the hot water heater? Well, was it coming up in your spirit? You ought to take care of that water, that water heater. If it was coming up in your spirit that you ought to take care of it and then it went, guess what? You should have listened. Because a lot of times the spirit of God will come up to you and warn you about these things. Take care of that. Is it getting ready to be at the end of its life? You think your hot water heater is supposed to last forever? That's a blessing of God? <laughs> God will, God will tell you stuff. He'll come up into your, in your spirit. Hey.
hey, fix that noise that's in your car. And we don't fix it and then we end up broke down by the side of the road. At a bad time. Now, just, just be listening to the, to the Spirit of God. He's going to help you out in these things. These are not the tribulations that we're talking about. That's uh, Matthew 13, verse 21. We're just kind of getting in the middle of this uh, parable here, but this is just the only part we wanted to focus on. You all know the parable of the sower real well. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So the seed that didn't get enough root goes away because he didn't, the roots didn't go down far enough. And it said when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Not because you were stupid. Not because you were obnoxious to people. You know, you can be obnoxious with your Christianity. You can be. You don't have to be, but you can be. And you can get persecution for that. But Jesus was never obnoxious with his Christianity. He didn't get in people's faces and just try and antagonize them. I better put this in your outline for you. We're not speaking about those kind of tribulations, but but tribulation that arises because of the word and for your testimony in the world. Because of the word and for your testimony. Revelation talks about how persecution comes because of the testimony that they had. There's a testimony. When the word of God becomes alive to you and you begin to live it, that's a testimony and the world will persecute you for it. Just as the enemy will come and he will try and persecute the word that has gotten set, set down on the inside of you because if he doesn't get that word out, that word's going to do some damage to his kingdom. And so he wants to get rid of that word. So that's where tribulation comes from. It's, it is external. It is uh, brought on by the enemy. It can be brought on by people in the world. Paul went around and he faced many tribulations. I didn't give you a Greek word study on this, but we very easily could have. Uh, spending some time on the word tribulation and the word for trouble. Because in the Greek, they're two different words. And the one for, for tribulation, Paul uses when he talks about the tribulations that he went through. Because they were external. They were people who came against him. They were people who would go into the cities he was in teaching the word of God and stir up people against him. Riots would, would come out because of this, this tribulation. But he just kept on going. He kept on preaching the word of God. As long as people wanted to hear it, he'd sit in there and preach. Sometimes the riots got bad, and he said, fine, if you don't want to hear, I'll go over here. These people will want to hear. And he'd go over to another spot. And then he'd go over to another spot. His, his goal was, of course, to take the gospel into the world, into the Gentiles, and let them know about it. In uh, John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's a different word there. It's not tribulation, it's troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You see, I can't let not myself be tribulated. <laughs> That's probably not a word, but you get the idea. I can't let, I can't stop myself from being persecuted. If people are going to persecute you, if they're going to put you in a tribulation, well, it's, it's going to come. But I can stop trouble on the inside of me. Because it's a different thing. Tribulation comes from outside. Trouble comes from the inside. He said, let not your heart be troubled. How many of you have ever sat in a situation, maybe even this week, and just became troubled? You can become troubled because of economic news. You can become troubled because of, of news about what's happening at your job. You can become troubled because of things that are going on in the neighborhood or in the family. 
Sometimes we become troubled because the holidays are coming up and we're going to have to spend time with some family. <laughs> and we can be a, a little troubled because of what had gone on before. We're thinking about what had gone on in the past. Well, I know that aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so and cousin so-and-so, they were doing these kind of things. And we can get troubled on the inside because of what has gone on in the past in these, these things and um, begin to fall into anxiety about what's going to happen in the future. But he said, let not your heart be troubled, which means I have some control over it. I can do something to stop it. A little bit further down, in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled, don't let it be afraid. You see, when we become troubled because of the things that are going on around us, fear can begin to work its way in. I can become troubled because I don't like how the situation is going at work. I don't like how the situation is going at school. I don't like how this situation is going with uh, my spouse or my children. I don't like how this situation is going with these people over here. Then I begin to be troubled. It comes up on the inside of me. And I become troubled by this, by the things that have happened in the past. By the fact that I didn't seem to be able to overcome this. We can become troubled. How many can relate to this? Homework is due. You know, I mean, we thought high school homework was, was tough. And then we got into college and found out what a real homework was like. And we know we only have so much time to get this particular paper done or get the, this, this uh, stuff done. And um, I'll tell you what, it can be a little troubling. Because I'm looking at the time and how long it's taking me to get this far. And so, oh man, what's going to happen? And then anxiety begins to kick in for my future. But right now I'm troubled. I'm troubled. And I make a prayer. Oh God, please help me. Oh God, I, I just need to be at rest with this thing. But you see, it's an unscriptural prayer. What does he say? We just go back to the Word of God. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So when I begin to feel unrest down on the inside of me, I just go back to this verse and say, Father God, you said that your peace you give to me. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. That means whatever situation I am currently involved in that causes me to be in an unrest, I need to hold that up to to God. Say, Father God, I do not need to be troubled about this. I need to be at rest. I will do what you tell me to do, but I'm going to be at rest about this situation because you love me and I trust you. And I thank you for what you're doing in this situation. Father God, I thank you that you were working in this situation. I don't even know what needs to be done. But I thank you that you're, that you're working on this. And sometimes we, even just in relationships, sometimes husbands and wives, we can get to a place where we begin to be unsettled because of things going on with the spouse. People that don't have a spouse can become unsettled because I want one. And, uh, it, you know, I've heard it said before, it seems that married people always want to get the single people married. I heard somebody's explanation on that. I may have shared it with you once before, but 
the explanation I heard people say on that was that they want other people to be just as miserable as they are. <laughs> well, that ought not to be the case. You ought to be happy in, the, in, in, in your marriage. But sometimes, you know, the enemy will come along and he'll begin to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, you're going to be alone the rest of your life. There's no one out there for you. And he begins to get you troubled about these things. He begins to point to the, to the past. He begins to point to the present. And he begins to say, hmm, this isn't going to happen for you. He'll point to married people and tell them things that have happened in the past. Things that are going on now. This is how it's always going to be. It's not going to change. It's always going to be this way. And we become troubled. But he said in the Word of God, let not your heart be troubled. Not talking tribulation, we're talking trouble. Because if the enemy, the enemy knows, if he can come in and he can get you to focus on trouble, if he can get you troubled, the peace of God is gone. He can get that just pulled right out. That's just like with love. He can get love disrupted by bringing in fear. Not hate, but fear. He brings that fear in and he can disrupt you walking in the love of God. I can't walk into, in, in love with someone. I'm afraid they're going to do something to me. I'm afraid they're going to hurt me or come against me or take something away. It's hard for me to do that. And so he knows I just got to get you out of the peace of God. It's one of, a, one of the armor pieces that Paul talks about. Having your feet shod with the preparation of peace. Yeah, that piece is important. That's your foundation. Because if I can, it, the devil thinks, if I can get you out of being peaceful, you are in unrest. You are on uncertain territory. You're on shaky ground. He can knock you off that thing that you're on. So much easier. He can tip your faith over. He can tip your love over. Because that peace is your foundation. So he's going to bring trouble in. I'm going to give you a couple of examples here in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Not reading the whole story again, just looking at, at Martha here. Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Then Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. Very often, folks, we are choosing to be on the side of the trouble. It said Martha was troubled about many things. Things, many things. Now, put yourself in these guys' position. Think of somebody in the body of Christ, uh, a preacher, teacher, prophet, somebody in the body of Christ that you just have had great respect for. You have just so enjoyed their their ministry, and all of a sudden you heard that they were coming to town. They were they were coming to town, and not only were they coming to town, but they were coming to your house to have dinner with you. Now think about that. 
And I said, I could put myself in that position real easy and begin to think, who Rick Renner came over from the United, from the uh, Soviet Union here to the United States and he called me up on the phone. <laughs> and he said, he has my phone number. Don't worry about that. He has, he has my phone number. I'm not just dreaming pie in the sky. He has my phone number. He's never called me. <laughs> but he has my phone number. <laughs> I think I told you before, his mom calls me all the time. It's, uh, she's so sweet. She just, and she doesn't call me because it's me. She just calls a lot of people that, uh, you know, she, she loves the support that, that, uh, we as a church send over there and we send over there personally. So she calls me up and says, hey, thanks for, for all that. And we chat for a little while. Uh, usually never a quick conversation. She's just a very personable, very, very, very nice person. And, um, I enjoy the, the, the conversation with that. So, um, that's why I say, <laughs> it's not a pie. They have a, they have my number if they want me. But if the, could you imagine that? Your brother Rick Renner. How many know who Rick Renner is? All right, everybody, every, y'all, y'all too. I talk about him enough. I could sit and li- listen to brother Rick Renner teach all day long. You know, just, just going one, another, keep on going. He's just, not everybody I could say that about. Sometimes, you know, he's, uh, I'm about stretched out here. But, uh, oh, brother Rick, he just, he holds my attention like no one else has. And can you imagine having him come over and, and to sit down and have dinner with you? What would you be doing in the time before he was coming? You'd be getting the house ready. You'd be doing all kinds of things getting ready. But you see, the goal I would have is that when Brother Rick Renner came over and sat down in our house and sat down at our table, that all the things in the kitchen are done. And that we can just sit down and enjoy conversation. I don't want to be in the kitchen taking care of stuff because I want to hear the things that Brother Rick has to say. I want to hear it. And so you have Jesus. I mean, how many levels is that above a Rick Renner? You have Jesus coming and sitting down in your house. Not only that, he's in the living room teaching. Teaching just you guys. This is just something that is for you. Did you notice we don't have the message in the Bible? Why did, why do we have other messages in the Bible when he's present and we hear what it is that he taught, but we don't have this one? Because there was a message that was just for them. It didn't need to be in the Bible. He was, he was speaking whatever he was speaking for the people in the room. And Mary was there. And her brother Lazarus was there. Other people are there. Where's Martha? She's someplace else. And the whole time she's thinking, why isn't my sister in here helping? Why doesn't my brother come in and help carry some of this stuff out? Why are other people just sitting there letting me do all the work? She's becoming troubled over this so much so that she comes out, interrupts the meeting and tells Jesus, Jesus, tell my sister to get in here and help me. (laughs) And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. Now, worry and anxiety kind of go hand in hand. You are worried about things in the future. You are troubled about things in the present. You are worried about things in the future. You are troubled about things in the present. You are worried and troubled about many things. 
But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. I think there's one other person he said one thing was needed. Wasn't he? Rich young ruler. I've kept all these commandments. Well, one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now turn over to Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Luke 24, verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? So Jesus was dead. Now he's alive. And he appears to them. I mean, they had an idea that he was alive. But now he's here. They heard other people say he was alive. But now he's here. And they were afraid. Jesus' first thing he says is, Peace to you. Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Now, we get to heaven. You can ask the disciples about this, but I think they had a ghost problem. Because they think he's a ghost here. When he came walking on the water, what did they think? He's a ghost. Seems like every time they can think there's a ghost, they think it. And apparently, they're afraid of ghosts. So they keep assuming that Jesus is a ghost. If you're Jesus and you have to keep coming, look, I'm not a ghost. I'm a real person. But it said that they were, they were troubled, terrified because of what was going on right now. We're seeing something. We're not quite sure how to process it. I'm not quite sure what to, what to make of this. Now you can, you can relate to this. How many times, and of course in your life, I don't mean that anytime real soon, but how many times have we heard a noise in the house? It wasn't one of the normal noises. You heard a noise in the house. That's not normal. Our house doesn't make that noise. Why did that noise come up? Then as soon as you hear something that is not normal, what comes up on the inside of you? Answers as to what it might be, right? Somebody broke in. Maybe a branch hit the house. I wonder if it poked a hole in the roof. I wonder if it broke a window. I wonder if this is going on downstairs. Oh. And we begin to think, see, we're troubled. As soon as the trouble comes in, what happens to the peace? And sometimes those noises are great examples because up until the time of that noise, what state were you in? You were in you were at peace. Oh, this is good. I'm in a nice warm bed. It's uh time to go to sleep. Kind of rest restful and all of a sudden you hear a noise and bam, you're up. What, what was that noise? What's going on? We're trying to figure out. Is this, is this the noise I have to take care of? This is what the disciples are doing. Jesus is here. He's not supposed to be here. He's supposed to be dead. But he's here. He's talking to us. How can this be? 
And as soon as we see something or hear something or feel something, and we're not sure what it is, explanations are provided to us. And those explanations, the purpose of those explanations is to get you to be fearful. We want to get you to be troubled. We want to get you to a place where this this isn't going on. This isn't going to happen. I put this in your outline. I forgot to, to fill it in before, but this is going to be true for all three of these. The purpose of, of tribulation and the pur- purpose of trouble is to get you to first off stop believing. He wants to get you to stop believing. He wants to get you to start fearing. And to not be trusting. The purpose of tribulation is to get you to stop believing, to start fearing, and to not be trusting. The purpose of trouble is the same thing. To get you to stop believing. Whatever it is you're believing. That noise you heard at night, it wants you to believe that you are safe. Or you want you to stop believing that you are safe. It wants you to stop believing that everything is okay in the house. It wants you to start fearing. And it wants you to not be trusting. It wants to try and get you to not trust in God. An example I gave you for this was Jarius. Remember Jarius? He came and he asked, asked uh, Jesus, will you come and heal my daughter? And he says, I'll come. And on the way, after the incident with the woman with the issue of blood, on the way, messengers came. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Your daughter is dead. And that news that came to him caused him trouble. It came from external. But he heard that and on the inside trouble began to, began to brew. And he began to be afraid. He began to be disbelieving. And Jesus immediately spoke to him. Immediately spoke to him. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. He wanted to get him back into the place of peace. See, Jairus was at a place of peace because Jesus was coming back with him and he was going to heal his daughter. Everything was going to be fine. He was back at a place of peace. Things around were not great. His daughter was still sick. But he was at peace because Jesus is coming to take care of this thing. You do not need all your situations to get fixed in order to be at peace. All you need to know is that Jesus is here with you. That Jesus is here to help you. And that Jesus is coming along with you. As long as I know I got Jesus with me, I'm in good shape. But all of a sudden he thought, even Jesus is not enough for this. She's dead. Oh. The enemy wants to get you to stop believing, to start feeling, fearing, and to not be trusting. That's what he did with these folks. Now I put this in your outline for you. There can be little troubles and there can be big troubles. Some years ago, a few years ago anyway, uh, if you remember there was a, a message we, we did on the oh my moments. The oh my moments. When all of a sudden something happens and we go, oh my. And one of the first examples we gave for that was back with Elisha. And they were out there building something that they needed for the ministry. 
And so they all went out and they got what they could. And one guy went out and he got an axe. He borrowed it from his neighbor, but it wasn't his because he couldn't afford one, I guess. He so he went out and he bought, borrowed somebody else's axe. He's out there chopping down some wood. And all of a sudden, the head of the axe went flying off and into the water. And he goes to the, to the prophet, Oh my! <laughs> it was borrowed. And of course, the uh, prophet Elisha, he's, uh, he throws the wood in the, in the water and the axe head floats. So either that was a very poor quality axe head or it was a miracle that went on. And the thing floated up. Later on in Elisha's ministry, we saw that an entire army surrounded his, his city. And his servant said, Oh my! What are we going to do? And so Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And his eyes were open and he saw the host of angels that were surrounding the city. Because the words of Elisha were, there are more with us than are with them. Hmm. So you've got some oh my moments. When all of a sudden news comes in, all of a sudden something happens and it wants to throw you. It wants you to say, oh my, what will I do now? It wants you to stop believing. It wants you to start fearing. And it wants to get you to stop trusting. That's his goal. So again, tribulation are things that come from outside sources. People from outside of us. The, the, the kingdom of, the, of Satan. His forces coming again. Whatever it is, it's coming from outside. But trouble comes from within. It comes within because of things that have already happened or are going around about me right now. That's trouble. When the Word of God speaks about trouble, that's what it's speaking about. But the Word of God doesn't stop there. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, you all know this scripture very very well. Be anxious for nothing. Now, we all know what nothing means. I don't need anybody to define nothing for me. Nothing means? It means nothing. Nothing at all. So there is nothing that I should be anxious for until the part where anxiety comes upon me. And then I realize it didn't include this. And I list whatever it might be. Because how many of us, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have felt anxiety? It has come and we have embraced it. (laughs) Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, right there in that verse of Scripture, it has eliminated most Christians. Because this is how we pray. Oh, God, uh, it's it's terrible. This and this is going to happen, or this and this is coming up, and I don't know what to do. Oh, I need your help. Oh, God, you've got to help me. There's no thanksgiving in that at all. I'm not praying anything in the Word. And anxiety is all over me. I've totally taken that Scripture and thrown it out. But you see, we shouldn't be doing that. That's what the enemy wants you to do. When he hears you praying like that, he's, he's thinking, oh, we got this one won. We've got it won. We got them out of believing. We got them to start fearing. And we completely removed them from the area of trust. This is great. Because on this battlefield, he will win. It's kind of like it this way. If you ever 
were thinking about taking on a shark. I know you're not thinking about taking on a shark. But just imagine that you were. If you were going to take on a shark, would you rather take on that shark in the ocean or on the sandy beach? I'll take him on the sandy beach any day. He is not equipped to move around on the sandy beach. But in the ocean, he is far more equipped to move around than I am. So if if we're going to take each other on, I'm going to do it on the sandy beach. Because quite quite literally, I could run away from the guy and he can't catch me. But in the water, I cannot outswim him. He can outswim me. Now most of the time, sharks aren't interested in you anyway. But that's that's another matter. But don't take on the devil in the arena he wants you to be in. God wants you to take on the devil in the arena of believing, of faith, of trust. The enemy wants you to take on the devil in the area of anxiety, in fear, in worry. Because he'll win. Don't let him do it. All right, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Just understand, whenever you go to God in prayer, you don't have to inform Him of everything that's going on. He is very familiar with your situation. He knows exactly what has and has not happened. You don't need to to fill Him in. If you want to, I mean, you can. But it, there's really no reason for it. So, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, if we do what's in those verses, we're in good shape, right? He then goes on. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. If your situation is of such that there is no trouble and no problems and you are at peace, how is that beyond understanding? The peace that is beyond understanding is when the world is falling apart around you and you're just, I'm cool. This is all right. God is still on the throne. And you're just not being thrown. You're still at peace. That's a that's a good place to be. The um, things can happen, take you out of the area of peace. You don't want to do it. And just because something comes up to you suddenly does not mean that you have to leave your realm of peace. Stay with the realm of peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Now stop it right there. Just because something is factual does not mean it's true. We were down there at the conference last week and we were reminded of that principle. But just because something is factual does not mean that it's true. This may be what's going on. That may be what's happening right now. But that's not the, that's not the truth. What's the truth on the matter? I heard, um, I think the example we were being, being told about there 
was that a particular person came up to be prayed for, wanted to believe God for for uh, healing on something. So they came up front and they were ministering to him, praying for him, and they read over the word that said, "You are healed." And so they said to him, "Are you healed?" Well, no. Because this and this. You see, that's the facts. The facts got in the way. What was the truth? The truth is from the Word of God. The Word of God says you are healed. The Word of God tells us, Jesus exhorted us to call those things that be not as though they were. Jesus did it all the time. He said to lame people, walk. He said to leprous people, Go be inspected. He said the pot's full of water. Called them wine. They aren't wine. But he called them wine. What did it become? It became wine. That's a hard concept for us to get hold of even though we do it every day. We're in the wintertime. In the wintertime. How many of you wake up in the morning? Of course, you used to have to do this. This is back in, in the day I grew up. You may not realize this, but you had to um, um, manually turn the thermostat up. Anybody remember those days? When you actually had to go up to the thermostat and turn the dial. Now you just pull out your phone, hit a little few buttons, and it, uh, it goes down. Or if you got it programmed in, it does it all by itself. But we used to have to, you know, we come home, we'd have to turn the thing up and turn the thing down if we were leaving, stuff like that. Well, if you were in a 60 degree room and you wanted that room to be 70 degrees, what would you set the thermostat for? You put it at 70 degrees. Well, aren't you lying? The room's not 70 degrees. But you see, until you call for 70 degrees, it won't ever change, will it? We gotta call for it. I gotta call for some things that be not as though they were. This is what the Word of God says. And I call for those things that, that be not as though they were. And that can be a peace. But the enemy wants to get you to doubt it. No, that's not going to happen. Uh-uh. That's not going to be. Nope. How many times did Jesus say before it ever happened, the Son of Man will suffer, crucified, buried for three days, and on the third day he would what? Rise. He would rise. On the third day he would rise. Hey, how many times did he say that before he died? He said it over and over. Why? He's calling for those things. They're not yet. As though they were. Alright, that's a whole nother, another thing. We don't need to get off on that. Let's finish off Philippians here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, And if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So these are the things we need to meditate on. But the enemy wants to get you to meditate on other things. He's going to be get you to think about how your friends are betraying you. How your spouse isn't what you want them to be. How... This is not how your job is not paying you the the right amount of money. How these people are trying to rip you off. 
He's going to speak to you about these things because He wants you to think on those. Because we know what the Word of God says, which says, think on these things. Think on these things. And that's what we need to do. Think on these things. Don't think on the things that you feel responsible for. Bills. Needs that come up. Surprises. Surprise expenses. Maybe some trouble at work. Stuff going on at home. That's not what it's saying to be meditating on. Meditate on the other things. So, just like it was for the others, the purpose of anxiety is to get me to stop believing, to start fearing, and to not be trusting. That's his purpose. i got one more verse of Scripture I want to read for you here. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. This is the kind of stuff that we are to pursue. Now, most of us here have uh, some social media that we engage in, Facebook or whatever it might be. And when we get off on those particular things, how many are familiar with, certainly not you, but how many are familiar with people who do not pursue peace? They try and stir up trouble. They try and, and say things to get people inflamed and get people angry. They're not pursuing peace. And some people say their opinion, it seems like in a harsh way, just to stir people up. Now, there are some people that I have on, you know, I'm connected with on, on Facebook, and I know some of their beliefs, and I know that some of them differ from me, whether they be political or whether they be under the word or whether they be on how things are going in this world, or whatever it might be. There are some people that I have determined are not ready to hear any of the things that I understand on that. And so when they put up something, and they say something along the lines of uh, whatever it might be, I generally, if I see that, I just ignore it. Because if I put something up on there, all I'm doing is stirring up strife. I'm not going to help them. I've already determined they're not ready to listen to that. And so I don't, now I have, if I've determined that they're, they're still able to listen to some truth, I may try and speak a little bit of it to them. But if I determine, nope, they're not ready to hear truth on this, I just put it to God. Say, oh, Father God, you're going to have to speak the truth to them. They need revelation. They need to hear it from you. Because I can't help them with that. And so I just leave it alone. I've had people that try to egg me on. And they put something up there. And try and, and goad me into one of those things. Nope, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do those things that pursue peace. I don't need to, I don't need to mess with that. So he says here, therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace. You see, if I am making unrest in other people's lives, I'm sowing the wrong kind of seeds. Jesus didn't go out there and just say things just to aggravate people. He was trying to help them. And don't, don't fall into that. I put this here in the, on the end here. This is how you can get yourself armed. This is how you can put this peace of God to work. First off, God's peace has been given to you. It's already yours. You do not have to go home and pray, Oh God, give me your peace. Oh God, I need more. Now you can increase in peace. You can increase it. But the way that you increase it is similar to the way you increase faith. Remember the disciples said increase our faith? Jesus didn't, didn't, uh, didn't pray for them to get their faith increased. You get your faith increased, 
by doing the things that are in the Word. By believing for this, and as you believe for this, now I'm ready to believe for more. And now I'm ready for to believe for more. And now I'm ready to step out on more. But i got to be working it down here. It doesn't, just, it doesn't just come to me. Peace is not just going to multiply in your life. Peace is going to multiply because you do the things that pursue it. Because you do the things that protect it. That you do the things that keep trouble from coming up in you. Do not be troubled. Don't be troubled. So God's peace has been given to you. It's already yours. You got it. The world wants to take it from you. Understand it? The world won't know what to do with it, but they want to take it from you. Because they don't want you to have it. They just want it to be taken from you. It's up to you to guard it. You have to guard the peace. How do you guard it? Stay in a place of belief. Don't let fear come into your life. Stay, stay away from it. Stay in a place of trusting the Father. Father God, I have an opportunity right now to not trust you. To not trust you. And, and don't do it. Now, of course, we are in a new season here. Y'all know my, my, uh, love for all things Hallmark. And so we're in a new season of Christmas movies. And we enjoy them. But it seems inevitably something occurs because all Hallmark movies are about the girl and the boy getting together and getting married. I mean, that's what they're all about. So we, we watch them come along. But something happens in there that's uh, interpreted in a wrong way and will cause one or the other or both to distrust the other one. And we're sitting there and we're watching the movie and says, No! Just ask him about it. Talk to her. And we get all mad because they all leave each other. They go off in different directions. No, no, no. Go talk to her. What's wrong with you? You ever felt that? You get very emotional when those things are going. Go and just yell the TV screen. But you see, we don't do it because the distrust came in. That's what, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to give you thoughts to make you think that God doesn't care. He wants to give you thoughts to make you think that God is not watching your situation. God is not helping your situation. He wants you to meditate on these thoughts. Go over these thoughts. Don't do it. It's up to you to guard it. Don't let go of your faith, your trust, and your hope. Don't let go of those things. I am going to hope for those things that God says are coming. I am going to believe in His Word and I am going to trust that God loves me and has good things planned for me. God has given you His peace. There are other things that are trying to get under the surface and draw out other stuff beside peace. It's going to try and draw out trouble. It's going to try and draw out worry and anxiety. It's going to try and put you in a place of unbelief, distrust. It's going to put you in an atmosphere where these things thrive. Because if he can do that, he would disarm you. He would take that peace, the very core of your foundation, the thing that's keeping you stable and unmoved. He wants to take that away from you. But don't let him. The peace of God is yours. You don't have to go from here and ask God. You don't have to do it at all. It is already 
right now yours. You can just go on and say, Father God, I thank you for the peace of God that resides on the inside of me, that it is, the, it is God's peace, not the world's peace. This is God's peace, and it's on the inside of me. And all chaos can be going on all around you. And you can be at peace. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the peace of God that is put in our hearts. It is down on the inside of us. It is ours. Because we got born again. Because we received Jesus as our Savior. The peace of God is mine. I thank you for it. I give you the praise and the glory for it. With every head bowed, no one looking around. Always good just to make sure. If there's anyone here that has not received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Well, the love of God hasn't been put down on you, and neither has the peace of God. Well, we can take care of that all in one, one step. If you're not born again, walking in the things of God, raise your hand up. We're going to pray for you right now. Glory to God. If you are born again, the peace of God is down on the inside of you. It is already there. The enemy may be telling you that you are in unrest. The enemy may be telling you that there's no peace for you. But that is a lie. Because God has already put it down. If God has said that the peace of God is down on the inside of you, do you trust Him? Oh, you don't know what's going on in my life. The peace of God does not depend on what's going on in your life. It depends on who is in your life. And if God is in your life, that peace is there. No matter how much turmoil is going on, you can be in that peace. Jesus walked in that peace when he got out of the garden, despite all the things that came against him. He was in that peace. Paul walked in that peace, despite all the things that came against him. Peter, John, other disciples, the same thing. Many other saints all through the years. It doesn't matter what is going on, what situation you're involved with, even who created it. All that matters is the peace of God is on the inside of you. The enemy wants to steal it, but he cannot unless you let him. You can keep yourself in the love of God and you can keep yourself in the peace of God. Let not your heart be troubled. Father, as we go out into the world this week, whatever it is that we face, whether it be at work, be in families, be in our neighborhoods, friends, wherever it might be, as tribulation or trouble or anxiety, these things come against us. We know what they're doing. And we will fight against it. Tribulation, those things that come from outside, we will stand against it. Trouble that tries to come up on the inside of us for things past and present, we will stand against it. Anxiety, things that we worry about, fear for the future, we will stand against that as well. You said in your word, let not your heart be troubled, so it must be possible for us to do it. Again, with every head bowed, if you're here today, you got some situations in the inside of your life 
going situations going around right now that have created on the inside of you trouble, unrest, fear, anxiety, whatever it might be. Raise your hand up. We want to pray for you. Glory to God. Father God, you see the hands that are raised. I thank you right now that the peace of God rises up on the inside. It is there now. And the only thing that can cause it not to do what it's supposed to do is when the enemy pulls us into unbelief, into fear, into distrust. Father, I thank you for the word of God that will rise up in us. For you are more than able to overcome. As Jesus said, I have overcome the world. We overcome it in him. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Sister Marguerite, come on up and close this out.